Welcome to the Carlina Show, where ordinary people share their hero's journey. I'm your host, Carlina Angwin, and this is episode 32 of the podcast. My guest today, Jaya, takes us through her journey, which began as a child in communist Hungary in the 1950s. After the Hungarian uprising in 1956, Jaya's father fled to Canada in hopes the family would reunite with him soon. Ten years later, Jaya followed his footsteps and traveled to Canada alone to reunite with her father, a decision she would regret moments after arriving. Flash forward many years, Jaya encountered guides and healers who helped her find peace and healing. She became a spiritual counselor, and her unique business has been helping people change their lives for over 20 years now. You can visit the Carlina Show website at carlina.net to learn more about Jaya and link to the show notes. From there, you can find past episodes, connect on social media, and sign up for the mailing list. Thank you, Stephen Lorca, for video editing and production. And now I bring you Jaya Friesian. So tell me a little bit about your about your childhood, about your your family, and um, and the place where you grew up. Well, um, my father and mother. There was a um, if I if I want to really start, then I was start at the time that um, mother had been separated for three times from my father. This was a huge love story between them. And I have a brother who is two and a half years older. I had a brother who is two and a half years was older than myself. And so I wasn't supposed to be coming. So my grandmother had arranged it for my mother to have an abortion when she was five months pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happened is that my father, who wasn't really sure that he was my father, mm-hmm. has arrived to the hospital because my grandfather has uh, um, agreed and uh, threatened the doctor that if this child will be aborted, uh, then he will not be a doctor any longer. Mm-hmm. And that is a... Um, significant the reason I'm saying that that for me it was significant because I noticed that somehow I felt differently than how usually um, people feel about this Um, I felt actually wanted by my father Mm -hmm. and I actually felt that this was a an important experience in my life that I actually wanted to be deeply, very much to come. My father um, uh, apparently dreamed three days before I was born that, um, and I was born in December, and um, apparently that I had three names, Esjebet Anna Maria, and he told my mother that it was a girl. And the significance of this to me also that uh, all of the three names has to do with Jesus, even though I'm not religious, I'm actually universal. So I thought that was sort of uh, funny that um, he dreamed that that uh, these these um, religious names, 
you know, it's Jesus's mother and yeah. Jesus's aunt. And so um, uh, I was born and I, I feel that I was um, um, unhappy as a child when at age two, I was put into uh, kindergarten. Uh, my brother was also, and um, I um, I felt separated from my mother. And because I'm, I was a very emotional child, it created for me a lot of pain. Um, and I retaliated by anger and that I was um, crying and crying and crying and crying and crying, which I see that that was a release. Mm-hmm. And the only way I stopped crying for a year, I think it was about a year, it's because they would always bring my brother when it was time to lie down. And when my brother came, I stopped crying. Oh. Um, so he was very, he, he, he was very important to me mm-hmm. as, a, as a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, after a year, I was totally fine. I had a great time in kindergarten and I, I, I was a happy child until my father until um, it was a very secretive family. Um, at the time, nobody sort of talked about uh, what was happening, or I don't remember ever being told or sat down with what happens with the adults. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandfather has died a month before I was born, mm-hmm. and he was very important to my mother. So I was actually came from that drama. You know, that there was that drama mm-hmm. when I was born because um, grandfather, who was um, the love of my mother's life, has left a month before I have arrived. Mm-hmm. And I, I felt that. But beside that, I my first experience of my father, I remember him when I was one and a half. I was totally in love with him. I felt totally connected and in love with him right away. But I could always feel the tension between between the two of them, that they weren't actually happy. Right. They loved each other very much, but they were totally different. My mother was a person who was uh, who spoke five languages. My grandfather spoke nine. Were um, they were they from Hungary as well, or did they travel from um, outside no, of Hungary? They were, they were all Hungarians. Okay, and they spoke right. five languages. Or my mother did. Mm-hmm. My mother spoke five languages. My grandfather spoke nine, um, and fluently. That was his work. He actually worked on a boat going from Budapest to Firenze, Florence, mm-hmm. and back and forth. And that's how he earned his living: is through languages. Wow. Yeah, he was very intelligent. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very true. Uh, my grandmother, um, who, when I was two years old, when I remember first to meet. I was incredibly afraid of her. It was quite a deep karma, and I was instantly afraid, and I never wanted to be with her. Mm-hmm. But actually, it happened to be in my childhood that I ended up with her mm-hmm. until I left Canada. So um, uh, I remember the, um, that uh, there was a lot of um, warring in Hungary. In '56. there mm-hmm. was lots of noise and gunshots and um, upheaval Mm -hmm. in Budapest. And so um, um, I didn't know what happens. I just remember my father, who I adored, Mm -hmm. um, one day um, 
put a pack sack on, and I didn't know that they have agreed, my mother and my father, that he will go first. He wanted us to come together, all of us, mm-hmm. but my mother talked him out of it and said, you go first. And that's the borders were open at the time. The border was open mm-hmm. uh, in 56 till 57. And so my father, all I remember, nobody said anything to us uh, that what's happening, but I, I remember him putting on a pack sack and he started to walk and my mother was just sobbing. Mm-hmm. And that was in um, and that was in 1956. I was in 1957. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, did he tell you why he wanted to leave? No, he never. Nobody said anything. Mm-hmm. There was no, that's my only memory is that mm-hmm. my mother is sobbing, mm-hmm. and I'm holding my mother, and I felt like I was the mother and she was the child. Mm-hmm. Um, no, there wasn't any. Discussion. It's only later that there was uh, mm-hmm. uh, some information of uh, why this has happened, mm-hmm. and that um, my father. You know, it was an opportunity to leave Hungary. Mm-hmm. Um, there was um, um, lots. There was lots of poverty. That I saw a lot of poverty, um, and yeah, very very um, intense times for mm-hmm. sure. 56 and 57. Was it, it was, so it was a, a, a commu- communist It was country. a communist revolution when the, um, I remember watching the, um, the Russian tanks coming in. I was on the top of my, my father's uh, shoulders. And um, I remember that um, they were yelling. Everybody was yelling. There were hundreds of, it seemed to me, a hundred thousand people. Mm-hmm. And um, that's my memory. My memory is this intensity and lots of gunshots and lots of noise. That's mm-hmm. what the child within me have seen, right? How old were you then? Um, I, was, uh, I wasn't yet seven. Mm-hmm. And so um, father left. And that created a huge pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps it's because it wasn't discussed, that there wasn't truth about it, that I didn't know what happened, mm-hmm. or why it happened, or where did he go. Uh, uh, but um, I remember stubbornly I suffered for about 10 years. There was a lot of emotional, emotional upheaval inside. Mm-hmm about this of course your father is leaving or left mm-hmm. and not understanding but I, I don't see I, I don't remember that I ever felt responsible or that I ever had those kind of a feelings that I hear because of as a counselor I hear all kinds of assumptions I don't think that I was assuming what happened I was just in pain right right I just wanted to be with my father that's all so could you talk to him on the, so he left in 1957 and he, did he go straight to Canada? Um, well, I, um, he went first to Austria with the other Hungarians. And then from there, um, um, he had an opportunity to go anywhere in the world. That's my understanding. There was Hawaii, there was uh, there was Ameri- you know you could go to America, you could go to Australia. Um, he chose with other people, he chose with his friends, he chose Canada, and he told me that he chose Vancouver 
which is where I live, is uh, because uh, it's a mild place and it was beside the ocean. That was his choice, rather than going to Edmonton or Calgary mm-hmm. or other places. But this is the place he chose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And could you talk to him on the telephone while he... No, we had no, no telephone. No, mm-hmm. I, I never talked to him until 10 years later. Uh, I send, He sent money to us. Um, I had a grandmother who was always uh, unhappy, uh, my mother's mother. And so um, she always put him down and always been... Uh, but I never believed that. It wasn't like that I, I I always thought that she was an unhappy woman with lots of emotions. Later, I found out why. But um, uh, my father have sent, um, I, I heard that he lived with a family in Vancouver, and these people had 10 children. And so he had a lot of um, uh, children around him, and I can imagine that that had to be healing because I know that it was a great pain for him. He left his daughter. I believed I was his daughter. And he also left his son. And his son was almost nine. And it was a devastating effect on my brother. Yeah. It's, uh, to, to the day of, until he died, he was devastated by this experience, for sure. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, so it was 10 years later that you made yeah. the journey? Well, I made the journey. That's a, a karmic journey because my father sent three times to the government $3,000 each time. It costed $3,000. And uh, the government, of course, said that nobody is allowed to go out at the time. So um, it was a sort of a miracle. I insisted that I wanted to go. Uh, even though my mother begged not to, and uh, we moved in Budapest to a place where we lived with my grandmother and with my brother. Um, and so um, I insisted. There was a insistence within that I'm going and I'm going to be with my father. Um, this I regretted later on, but at the time I didn't know. So um, 10 years later, there was, um, uh, we went again for an interview. You had to be interviewed, you had to be checked, you had to be um, doctor, your school, everything. I wasn't a good student uh, because I didn't have any help or support at home. My mother worked long hours from morning till night to be able to support us. It, uh, and so um, my focus wasn't really on school um, Mm-hmm. It was mostly on survival, I would say. Mm-hmm. And my way of coping was opera. There was always in the radio opera. Oh. And my coping was to go to museum. We had a beautiful museums in Budapest. And I would go beside school and I would just go to the museum. And my mother uh, was very intelligent. And uh, I've seen beautiful, beautiful um you know, Picasso, and I read Balzac, and I read, um, um, we had at least 2,000 books at home, and so I read as much as possible, and that was my survival to mm-hmm. to live, to live. and 10 years later, I went for an interview with my mother um, to the government, and when I saw the young man, he must have been about 28 years old, I knew instantly that I would be leaving. I knew that he would say yes. I, I don't even need to explain it because I knew it. 
And I knew that he knew it. And he asked me, he said, you know, uh, are you sure that you want to leave your country because you will have to be, uh, you will have to sign a paper that you're not Hungarian, you know, that you, um, that you're leaving. And are you sure that you want to have this experience? And there was no hesitation. I wanted to see my father. And I said, yes. Mm-hmm. And so um, the door was open at that moment and I knew it. And uh, in November the 1966, um, November the 16th, I was um, leaving. Mm-hmm. And you said that you la- you later regretted it? Yes, I regretted it because, of course, I was a child. Mm-hmm. I was just 15, almost 16 years old. And I didn't know the circumstances, how my father, what happened here for my father, of course, my father was a young man, so of course he fell in love. And um, um, when he saw that my mother had no intention actually to come after him, um, he was involved with this young woman, and he he asked her to marry her or live in live with her, and she said no. And so my father then um, made an effort to commit suicide. He hanged himself. Oh, wow. And he was in a coma for 59 days, as far as I remember the story. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that, and nor did my mother. And his mother, of course, who was devastated, he, nobody knew that he tried to commit suicide. Everybody knew that he was in a hospital. Right? Mm-hmm. Nobody explained, of course. Right. There was nobody to explain. So I didn't know that he actually hurted his brain not the part of the brain that is logical. He was perfectly capable of counting. Uh, he was a um, accountant, sort of, and uh, he was totally capable of doing all of those things. But emotionally, he was damaged. Did this happen before you came over? Yes, okay. of course. Okay. okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. So when I came... And uh, I arrived after five airplanes because uh, um, because um, there was a strike in Toronto. So uh, this huge journey, I've never been on an airplane before. I was by myself, so it was a huge journey. But when I saw my father, uh, I knew instantly by, by being with him that uh, after 15 minutes that this wasn't the man that I remembered, and of course he wasn't, right? I mean, he had 10 years or more experience, but I knew as a, as a little child that this is not the person who I was craving for or be with him. Mm-hmm. Because when I was a child, he was very affectionate with me, not much with my brother, but he was with me. He carried me. Every Sunday we went up into the small mountain, which was only 510 um, uh, meter. So he would take us, but this wasn't, he, he was not my father the way I knew him. Wow. And did, yeah. you, did you have other family members in Vancouver or was it just your father? Just my father. Okay. Yeah. It was quite a dramatic uh, change. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, um, so it was sort of coming from fire to fire. I just walked into it by choice, obviously. I walked into um, 
an experience that I did not know. And when I lived with him, um, I lived with him actually a short time because I ran away three times, four o'clock in the morning, walking with my little bag um, because I was I was afraid of him. Now, it's not that he, he deliberately harmed me. It's just that he was a stranger. Right. Um, so, so you were 16 when you came over? Yeah, I was 16. What he offered in that, in that moment, what he offered me is, um, I could feel that he was, um, I I could feel that he, how uncomfortable he was. He was with a, a girlfriend who had two sons and we went right away to visit. And at least there was a woman there. I, I connected with the woman that he he saw that he was um, seeing, and he was uh, he wasn't in love with her, but uh, she was his lover, and so I connected with her because I needed a mother. Right. And um, so he then married her, and then they spent a lot of time drinking and and uh, quite abusive to each other. Mm-hmm. And so I, uh, yeah, so I, uh, I went to school, Kitsilano, and I went for six months for new Canadian class to learn English. Uh, my father was very strict. He treated me like a six-year-old because that's what he remembered. Mm-hmm. Uh, in another hand, what he offered is he offered there was a Hungarian community and he was quite religious not in a sense that he was pushing it down in on my throat, but he went every Sunday with uh, his wife, and uh, of course um, I was supposed to I, I was come come, but I've never felt I always loved uh, architecture of churches and temples, but I've never really felt that um, it was real to me what they were saying. I didn't believe that you were a sinner, and I didn't believe those things. It didn't felt true to me. Mm-hmm. Did you go to church when you lived in Hungary? No, it was a communist country. Mm -hmm. And uh, I only went to church um, that I remember maybe three or four times when I was in Hungary, but it wasn't allowed by school. Mm -hmm. It was actually, but I did go to see the architecture inside Mm -hmm. and that was reported to the school. And so I was asked by my mother not to do that if I don't, didn't want her to disappear. So tell me a little, let's back up just a little bit and tell me a little bit about um, how things in Hungary were different from, from Canada. So, cause I don't really know. I mean, other than what I've seen on TV, I don't really know what it's like to live um, in a communist country. So could you talk a, a little bit about that? Well, I don't know. Uh, all I know is that in the communist country, they were, um, you have to, in school, you have to go to uh, meetings. And I was quite rebellious. Um, so in the meetings, you had to wear sort of a outfit. I didn't wear the outfit. And that is why I was always blessed and always um, something happened to me that I was saved from it because um there was a some kind of a relative, some kind of a cousin who 
knew the principle. And I was sort of, whenever these things came up, like this is a communist country and, you know, all the two, two children are go to meetings. She needs to wear the outfit like the, all the others. Um, there was always some, some kind of a, a miracle because uh, I thought that I didn't want to know about Lenin. You have to learn about um, the history of Lenin and what he did for the poor people and why they killed the, the, the saw and the saw children. And it didn't make any sense to me. Mm -hmm. um, so I wasn't, but it was mandatory that in, in school that you have to, it's a communist country. So it was about proletarianism and people who have um, um, lots and lots of lots of boring stories Mm -hmm. about uh, about the history of um, and explanation about what happened in Russia. Mm -hmm. Everything was Russian, you know, some of the uh, food was Russian, colors was Russian. Um, um, it was uh, it was very much admired Russia. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't feel at home. Maybe that's partly also I left. I didn't feel anymore at home because I didn't buy it. Mm -hmm. what they were saying. I, it just didn't feel true to me. Do you think that your friends in school felt the same way or did they, did they believe in it, in the, um, in the communism? I didn't have very much friends mm -hmm. in school because I had a, a, my grandmother was an alcoholic for three years mm -hmm. and um, I actually saved her life three times. I, I went home because I heard inside, I had some psychic experiences to go home and she was in the bathtub, the water was filling up. Mm -hmm. Another time it was gas. Um, and uh, I just arrived and I think if I wouldn't have been home five minutes, uh, mm -hmm. then I think she would have died. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know that, um, I, I didn't really had a chance to connect uh, with kids, I walked with kids home. Mm -hmm. I felt a lot of emotions with, you know, there were boys. And I had a, the one thing I had is I had a, a good voice. And I had a famous um, um, teacher, as, uh, uh, Andor Ilona. Her name was Andor Ilona. She was quite famous. She was the student of Kodai. And so I had a good voice. So I, I made some money by going to... Um, the radio and singing with other children. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't ever discuss communism with any child. Uh, I do know this, that every year as we went to school, all the children um, had to attend to the meetings, and they did. Now, how they felt about it, I've never asked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um and did you did you know much about the outside world? Um, do, were you familiar with Canada? Oh no, no. I, I only heard the word Canada. Mm -hmm. um, no, I was uh, familiar with Budapest. I had grandparents from my father, mother, and father who lived in Buda, which is the other side of uh, Budapest, and mm -hmm. we lived in Pest, and. Um, I went to Buddha every week for uh, Sunday lunch, mm -hmm. and that was a oasis for me. Um, mm -hmm. So um, yeah, go ahead. Um, so when you arrived in Canada, um, 
how how did you feel at first? Was did you did it feel very different from Hungary? Oh, totally. It's uh, I mean, every country has an energy. And when I came to Canada, uh, Canada is a was a totally opposite of the experience that I had as a child. So give me a, a few examples or kind of explain what you mean by that. Well, girls were wearing um, makeup. They were having sex. In Hungary at the time, nobody spoke about sex. Mm-hmm. Um, there were parties at age 15 um, in, in the classroom in Kitsilano. All the girls on Friday, Saturday were free to go to parties and drink. Um, I wasn't ever allowed to... Um, I had to be in in my house, even though I had um, I had a boyfriend, but I've never um, been allowed after eight o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, the ho- this 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 was freedom, but not in my house with my father. But I could see I didn't like the food because uh, Hungarian food is very different from Canadian food. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I was quite stubborn. I, I, I learned as a child to survive, and the survival technique that I had, it was stubbornness. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that's what kept me able to live and say no to things. And so here, you could see it on the kids and in Kitsilano school, that uh, teachers were so much more open. So it was a, it was a, it's a, it's a completely different way of people thinking. Of course, mm-hmm. um, there was a lot of freedom that wasn't in Hungary, but for my, I did not know anything about freedom. So I would have, and I, I do say this with total sincerity, that if I could have walked back from here to Budapest after two days that I was in Canada, I would have done it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we didn't have seafood and we didn't have uh, pizza. I've never eaten in Hungary pizza. I've never eaten seafood. Um, I, um, you know, mm-hmm. we had chicken soup and we had goulash and we had um, completely different, you know, we had fresh um, uh, pogacha and things that uh, none of that existed here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anything that was familiar that was taken away from me. Mm-hmm. No, I, it wasn't taken away. I left it. Mm-hmm. I, I realized I, I realized very early, oh, my God, you made this choice, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what was it about home that, that you missed? Or you just wanted, you just realized that your father was so different. And that's what, why no, you wanted to. Well, first of all, I missed my mother. Mm-hmm who I loved deeply and who loved me deeply. She was my best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, I missed um, everything about Hungary. I missed the buildings that Vancouver doesn't have. Mm-hmm. Nothing is old here. Um, I missed uh, the museums that I lived on. Mm-hmm. Um, I missed... Um, I had a boyfriend since I was 10 years old until I was 16, who was my best friend. Um, I missed him. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I missed food, anything that was familiar. I missed everything that was familiar, and there was nothing familiar here. Mm -hmm. Did you have other family members come over to Canada after you arrived there? 
No, not for 15 years. Okay. You know, my mother came when after I was married. I, I, uh, I left home and um, from school at Kitsilano. I had uh, I made some friends in here in Kitsilano school. Hungarian three people, three Hungarian girls, mm-hmm. and they had boyfriends, of course, and they went out and they had makeup, and uh, I wanted to run away from home, so. I met some, I, I actually was quite loved. My father offered this. There was a Hungarian community and they always had balls. Mm-hmm. And so my father brought me to the help of his wife, um, some clothes. I was quite skinny. And so I had, um, she brought me clothes. And um, um, so we went just as I arrived here in November, by December, the new year, I was um, in, a, in a ball, which, of course, Hungary was, I've never seen a ball in Hungary. Mm-hmm. And so there, here was a Hungarian community, and there was a young boy, uh, Alamir, and um, um, it took six months, but we fell in love. But I, actually, because he was a very happy person, he had a beautiful family, and he had six brother. He had brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. and he was gonna be a policeman. But years later, he told me that he knew that uh, because I was so unhappy at home and I was so shut down that I couldn't wait for two years. Which case, he would have been a policeman, and I could have apparently married him. Mm-hmm. But I didn't wait for that. Um, I was very impulsive and uh, very shut down and very um, desperate. It's a survival that um, I met somebody and um, in two months I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. And um, I went to work for an old folks home. I think I only worked there for two months. This was a Hungarian old folks home where people... um, there were 15 old people um, uh, who were there, and mm-hmm. I watched these people fairly, fairly abused, yeah, you know, in the food and the way they were treated. Mm-hmm. And so when I got pregnant, it was the way the end, because my mother-in-law, who became my mother-in-law, mm-hmm. said that um, um, we should have an abortion. Mm-hmm. And of course, as a 17-year-old child, I would have followed that, but luckily for my oldest son, who is a beautiful, beautiful person, uh, lucky for him, two days before that would have happened, the doctor was caught, and that didn't happen. And so I had my child by the age of 18. <laughs> oh. Um, so how many, how many children do you have? I have three children. I had one child who died. Okay. Um, did you want to talk about that at all, or no? Absolutely. Okay. It's not nothing to. It's not. It's not a secret. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I had my first son, Attila, and uh, and then um, here goes how life works. I took pills. Of course, my husband, who was a young, beautiful-looking young man. But actually, just as um, just as damaged. I mean, I um, I don't believe that people are, are um, ever broken. But I do see that unless they 
take responsibility for their life and they know how to choose love, they actually feel damaged. And mm -hmm. I was damaged, so I chose somebody. I left LMA without a word, and I'm not proud of that, but that's what that's that's how damaged that I felt. Mm -hmm. And I went with somebody because it was easier and he was damaged. So I chose the perfect person to live it, who is, of course, was just as emotionally hurt as I was. He was also from, he's Hungarian. Mm -hmm. And um, they lived in Brazil for 10 years after they left uh, Hungary at 56. And then they came to Vancouver and this is where I met him. And I was uh, 17 and he was 21. Mm -hmm. And so our second child was born when, even though I took the pill, uh, he was born. He wanted to come. And he lived for six months. Two days before seven months, uh, I found him uh, in the crib. He died in the crib. Oh, wow. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's uh, part of life that sometimes that that's... Um, very dramatic experiences can happen. Mm -hmm. And this was probably the continuation of um, what I have created. In, you know, I see it now mm -hmm. that in the childhood and even as a young woman, I could have made very different choices, mm -hmm. but I didn't know how. Mm -hmm. I, just, I just followed survival. Mm -hmm. And so this was one of those incredible deep experiences for me, that um, that he left, mm -hmm. baby has left, and uh, I I had this feeling as the day that he left, I had very spiritual experiences. First of all, I knew it two two weeks before my baby died. I had a feeling which I said to my daughter, my mother-in-law. I said, somebody is going to die. I don't know who it is, but I do know that they will. I feel it. I mm -hmm. feel death. Mm -hmm. But I, of course, as a mother, you would never think it's your child. Mm -hmm. And so by the time it happened, maybe that's exactly, I suppose on some level, I, was, uh, I, I, I could live it through. Mm -hmm. I didn't know at the time that I could, but because, of course, I, I don't remember for about a year and a half. In my experience, I don't remember, it's not like, did I go depressed or what happened or any labels. I just wasn't living. I didn't, I didn't take a pill. I didn't do any of that. I was just, it was just a fog. Mm -hmm. I just escaped to a fog. That's what I remember. And you had another, are you, um, so your son, your other son was one at this time when this happened? He was 20 months old. Attila was 20 months old. Okay. Okay. And did you, st when, at what point did you start um, your work as a spiritual counselor? Did that come later? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Of course, that came, that came later. That, that came with uh, called awakening. And by that time, I had uh, three children and I was actually happily married. Mm -hmm. uh, I, uh, at age 25, I, I made lots of changes inside, and I already 
met meditation, even though I did not follow it. Um, but um, I fell in love and uh, barely fell in love. And I believe it's the first time in my life that I experienced that I felt home mm-hmm. inside and outside. And, um, and um, my experience was that at age 30, I was just watching TV and uh, with, I had a one and a half year old child and suddenly I had a shift and I don't know how to say it, but that's exactly what happened. It was like something shifted for me in a way that everything slowed down and it was very scary. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, um, it was like, uh, from this going, going, going in life and having a 10-year-old son and having a 7-year-old son and having uh, my baby with Barry, Bren. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just watching TV. I'm happy. I have whatever. And suddenly there is a shift that it felt to me like um, from one moment to 100% energy to a 5% energy. Mm-hmm. And so I could feel it energetically in my in my. And so I went, of course, I didn't know what it was. So I went to the doctor and this is what the doctor said. This is why you have to be very careful of suggestions, what people say, mm-hmm. because they are suggestions. And she said these words. She said, you have a kind of a flu that people commit suicide. Oh, wow. And some kind of a Russian flu or Spanish flu or some kind of a flu. Uh-huh. And I had no idea what that meant, except that is what pushed me inward. And that moment when she said that, I thought, if I would be willing to commit suicide, then I must be willing to harm somebody because I am, I am not aware of it and I'm not going to harm anybody in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. So I shut down right away. I mm-hmm. shut down. Mm-hmm. I went home. And I shut down and she said, just go home and rest. There's no medicine for this. Just go home and rest. Well, how do you rest? So I went, my mind went into incredibly fear. Mm -hmm. And the fear was so intense that I, the days were like eternity and the nights were even more eternity. Mm -hmm. And, um, but somehow I knew inside, um, in a short version, it lasted three months mm-hmm. until I um, I couldn't stand it anymore. And I could see that my husband, who had no idea what happened to me and who loved me, and I could see that the doctor didn't know what happened to me because actually she had not a clue what was happening inside. Mm-hmm. And so maybe a flu or whatever it was, I could see that I couldn't function. I wasn't able to function because I was in fear. But I had an amazing opportunity. I started to recognize how the mind works. Because if you're not present in life, then you're always in the past in fear or judging it, or you're always in the future. Mm-hmm. And you're always afraid of the future. So I had, I didn't know that this was an opportunity. I just thought I was in hell. Mm-hmm. But at uh, one day, um, after three months, I said to myself, I got to ask for some help. And the only person I could trust in that moment, and the reason I shut down so that I wouldn't hurt, hurt, hurt anybody, and so, um, because I thought maybe I'm going insane. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so in that moment, I remembered that once I worked, I volunteered to the crisis center and I want, and there was somebody who taught us how to deal with the phone mm-hmm. and he was a teacher and I really liked him. I knew that there was something spiritual about him and that's something he understood. So I decided to go and see him. And so I got in the taxi and the, the taxi, his name is Michael Dunlop. Bless him wherever he is. <laughs> and I sat in the tab and he said, where do you want to go? I said, I want to go to the spiritual. I want to go to the crisis center. He said, oh, I used to work there. <laughs> and I said, so do I. And he said, I left it. And I said, so did I. This is word by word how the conversation went. Mm-hmm. And he said, I found something much better. And I said, really, what's that? And he said, meditation. Hmm. And I said to him, oh, uh, where is this meditation and how much does it cost? (laughs) Well, you know, when your mind is totally in fear, you know, you see everywhere. And he said to me, "Uh, well, actually, it doesn't cost. You can give a donation if you wish, but it's at my house. And I said, oh, it's at your house, of course. And he stopped the taxi and he said, I have a six-month-old baby. And I have a beautiful wife. I am not asking you except for meditation. This is for meditation. And by the way, it's happening tomorrow night. And I said, and I could feel his sincerity. And I said, where is it? And then it was, I lived on 16th Avenue um, in Vancouver. And he said, it was like, I don't know, 25 minutes away from me. And it was called Siddha Yoga. And this was, he, 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 his wife was Indian. He had this room, like a healing room, like I have. And um, that's where the meditation was. And so I su- suspect if he would have said that it's going to happen in a week, I wouldn't have gone. Mm-hmm. But because it was next day, because it was arranged by my soul to be next day, I went. Mm-hmm. And all I remember from this is, is that it was the simplest meditation that I could start with. Because on the wall, it said, Om Namah Shivaya, mm-hmm. which means I respect my inner self. Mm-hmm. And they said, and all it was is somebody stood up and said some words about what their experience was for five minutes. Mm-hmm. And then they turned off the light and they meditated for 20 minutes. And then you had some tea and you went home. And I thought, whoa. But it's the first time in three months that I had peace. Mm-hmm. And in that five minutes, it was for about five minutes, the mind stopped chattering. I wasn't afraid. I wasn't in the future. I didn't thought I'm going to hurt somebody. And so in that peace, I went, I'm home. I don't know who these people are. I don't know who is Baba Muktananda. Uh, a guru, but I know that I'm in peace. This is where I have to come back. Mm-hmm. That's how spirituality started. Wow. Yes. It was a wow. <laughs> so when did you start counseling other people? <laughs> well, that happened much longer than that, that, much later than that. I actually had no idea 
that uh, I will be a spiritual, apparently a spiritual teacher. Mm -hmm. But um, I went for five years to meditate with Baba Muktananda. He was my guru. And he taught me how to go inward. And he taught me how to love yourself. And also what happened is, is that right at this meditation place, at the center, in the second floor, when I walked the second row, as everybody was sitting, I saw a man who was the only man who sat in perfect position, meditation position. Nobody else did. Mm -hmm. And so somebody said to me, that's Dr. Pilar. And Dr. Pilar had the same name as my best friend in Canada, whose name was Pilar. Mm -hmm. So I walked over to Dr. Pilar and I said to him, I said, uh, I'm so tired and sick of doctors who make some sort of words that are so powerful to harmful. Uh, are you a good doctor? I hear that you have the same name as my friend. And he said, why don't you come and see me? Mm -hmm. And I didn't know because through the flu or my awakening, which of course everything needed to slow down, but I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Actually, I became allergic and because I started to spin wool, I was totally allergic to wool. Mm -hmm. And so he was the perfect doctor. And so six months later, I could feel my soul is leaving my body because the body was so, you can't stay in this kind of a fear for a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. The immune system will drop and you will start to, I started to feel what death is. Mm -hmm. I started to feel something leaving. And in that moment, I heard inside, go and call Dr. Pilar. And by that time, I was meditating for six months. Mm -hmm. And so I went and I called Dr. Pilar's office, who was actually five blocks from me. And the woman started to laugh when I said that I need to see him today. She said, he's booked for three months. But I heard inside, don't put the phone down. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't put the phone down. I said, I need to see him and I need to see him today. And as it happened to be in life, like that's my grace. He walked by the phone and he said, who is it? And she said, it's a woman who is insisting to see you. And he asked me, he said to her, ask her, how does she know me? And I said, we have the same guru. Hmm. And he said, get in the cab and come and see me. Hmm. Wow. And that was the beginning of my healing mm -hmm. physically. Mm -hmm. And when I saw him, he was the doctor actually in India of Baba, Baba Muktananda. Mm -hmm. And when I saw him, the first words he said to me, he, first of all, he knew my name, my Hungarian name, when he looked down, because I wasn't Jaya yet. I didn't ask Baba for a name yet. Mm -hmm. And secondly, when I saw him, there were four, he said, if the mind this, brings this kind of an illness, that it affects the body, then the mind can also take it away. Mm -hmm. And I didn't understood what he meant by that, but I knew that I was home and that I won't die. Mm -hmm. I knew it right away. I was in the right place. And he was the first person, of course, I didn't know this, who was a... Um, a special, he, he, he specialized in, um, um, if you had um, allergies, 
Mm-hmm. Um, other doctors made fun of him and they refused, but he gave me C vitamin and it healed me. Mm-hmm. Told me to take C vitamin 2000 in the morning, 2000 at night, take calcium, magnesium in the evening, and I could sleep. Mm-hmm. I had meditation and my body started to heal. Wow. Yeah. That's called grace. It's called like what you meant to follow. Mm-hmm. It will happen. And it did happen for me. Mm-hmm. And so from uh, that, I meditated and I asked Baba for a spiritual name. And I started to laugh when he sent names for my whole family. <laughs> when he said that the name Jaya, do you know what the name Jaya means? No. Jaya means victory, victorious. Mm. And when as soon as he gave it, I knew inside that I was always victorious, even as a child. But I forgot it. No matter what happened, all of the pain that I experienced as a child, it was actually most of it my own stubbornness. I could have asked for help. I could have asked for help. I could have lived with my other grandmother and grandfather. I didn't ask. Mm And so I knew that when he said victorious, I started to laugh and said, yep, (laughs) that's right. I am victorious. (laughs) And that I forgot that. And that's why he gave me that name. Mm -hmm. And he gave to every, my family members, for Attila, that he's a well-being. It's it's Sanskrit, it means Shema, means a Mm well-being. And for Troy, he gave Chetan which means consciousness. And for Bryn, he gave Sahadeva, which means, um, which also means a, 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 a part of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And so, and he gave a name to Barry, which meant the most beautiful. So we had names and we had, and I asked my doctor, Sarpilai, if I could um, tell somebody how awfully thoughts that I had and he said, I will send you to a, um, a doctor who is um, not, he's not a normal doctor. He's a, his name is Dr. Ryder. And I saw him for one hour. And when I told him the story of my thoughts, he said to me, anybody who goes mad doesn't know that they are going mad. So you weren't going mad. Number two, when you started to be scared for hurting other people, that shows goodness. You were never going to hurt any other people. Mm-hmm. And I gave him a hug and I said, I don't think I will see you again. Mm-hmm. And I haven't. But you have lifted for me exactly what I needed to, to happen for me is to leave it behind, mm-hmm. which I did. Mm-hmm. And then I, then another spiritual thing happened. Baba has left the, his form in 1982. And I meditated, and I meditated every day, and I, you know, I used Om Namah Shivaya, and uh, I learned other uh, way of to go inward and chanting and mantra and breathing, and uh, but then somebody showed up at my house because my little boy was going to school, and this woman, and I do know from her from other lifetime, showed up and said. I want you to come to Spiritual Healing Center. And I said, I'm not interested. I'm actually have, uh, I'm going to see the yoga and I have a guru that I'm studying with. 
and I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. But um, then I had another spiritual experience because I wasn't going to go, that somebody from Siddha Yoga uh, took me for a channeling to Victoria. I didn't know what channeling was. I didn't know the word channeling, and I didn't know what we were going to do. But that's her life. Mm-hmm. I just She just said, I want you to come. I want you to have this experience. So we did a life to Victoria. And I had an experience. I couldn't speak for three days afterwards because uh, there was these strangers. I didn't, I often recognize people from past life, but I didn't recognize these people. And uh, they were in silence, seven o'clock from night until 10 o'clock. Nobody said a word. And I was just going to say, I think I want to leave now because I don't know what this is about. When the channeler who didn't know me, didn't know I was Hungarian, didn't know who I was, she started to speak in a different voice and said, Jaya, 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 um, I am your personal guide. Hmm. And I said, my personal guide? Um, what does that mean? And she said, well, every person comes with a guide and the guide comes in with you and leaves with you when you leave. And I am yours and my name is Murana. And I thought she was acting. I was sure she was acting. But then she said, I can see that you don't believe me. And I said, no, I don't believe you. And she said, okay, I guess we have to prove it. And I said, definitely. Mm. And she said, okay, so then let me prove it to you. 1984, uh, you were in Budapest visiting your mother. Is it true? I was shocked. I said, yeah, it's true. She said, and your mother, as you were leaving, giving you a gift. And it's on your puja table. Puja table is a table where I have konyan, I have sacred objects. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows this. Nobody knew this. Not the woman who took me. Nobody knew this. Mm-hmm. She said, and that object that your mother gave you, is on your puja table, and it is black outside, leather, and inside there is dry flowers. Is this the truth? <laughs> and that was my grandmother prayer book. Wow. From 1913, when they were get married, mm-hmm. and the dry flowers were my grandmother's when she got married. Wow. Nobody knows this. Nobody knew it. I've never told anybody. There's no reason to. Mm -hmm. I just, mother gave it to me. I put it on the puja table. Mm -hmm. How would somebody know that who has never met me? Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly the words for all (laughs) of us. I could not speak. Then she said, um, she said, I said, what do you think I'm going to do in this lifetime? And she said, well, some of the things you have already done in the past life, um, but you're going to, people will come. And I said, people will come? For what? She said, people will come and you will read and you will have a crystal ball, which actually I have a crystal ball right in front of me mm-hmm. for 25 years. And I said, a crystal ball? And I always thought that I was a gypsy. I, well, I know I was a gypsy in one of the incarnations. Uh-huh. I said, I said, but I'm not living in in that incarnation. A crystal ball? Are you crazy? And she said, Well, 
you will see. You can. And so my experience was that she she said there's another guide wanted to speak with me, and I had this experience that blew my mind. It was I couldn't see my hand. That's how dark it was. Mm-hmm. And this energy came in and started to honor this incarnation in my life that. What I what I was what I will be able to do and what I have done and and that just honoring the soul of mm-hmm. that I am and then she said may I touch you mm-hmm. then this is the second guide to the same woman and the energy was so much love in the room that I had a hard time to be be in it it mm-hmm. was full of energy full of love I don't know how else to say it. And when she touched me, she touched me on the third eye. And I saw 11 times white lotuses. I counted them. Mm -hmm. I saw it. I saw it in the dark. Mm -hmm. And that, of course, is the opening of the third eye. But I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. And her name was Nipiasia. So these were experiences that I don't often talk about it because uh, it's my experiences, right? Mm-hmm. No one can talk me out of it. I experienced it. Mm-hmm. I know what happened. Mm-hmm. But I also know that I couldn't speak for three days afterwards. So I told my friend when we were coming back to Victor- from Victoria, I said, don't talk to me. <laughs> I need to be able to digest this. I, I Don't talk to me. Mm-hmm. And then when I arrived, there was a phone call from the same woman who um, had a child in a school with my son and said, are you ready to go to Victoria Drive, which is a street, to the healing center because I talked about you and my teacher, Donald Scanlon, said, yes, you can come. January the 7th, you can come. Mm -hmm. So this was a circle and I studied at the spiritual healing center for 10 years. I went every week, every Monday. Mm-hmm. I never missed it. And I didn't know uh, what will happen from that until one day we, they were always channeling. There was always a guide called Alman who came to Donald. And in two seconds, Alman has told my life. He said to me, Miss Jaya, do you trust love or do you need to test it? Hmm. And um, that is a very powerful statement. Um, it showed survival and how to get out of survival. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I knew I belonged there. And Donald lived for 10 years. And uh, he became my friend and he became my teacher. And one circle, when I was in a circle, lots of things happened spiritually. Mm-hmm. But one of them that was very important, we were in one of these circles. And again, every, always the windows where everything was darkened. So you were able to meditate really deeply inside of you. Sometimes they went for an hour and a half, sometimes for an hour. And uh, I came in late. Um, usually they locked the door, but this time they didn't. And uh, Elman, the guide, who is a master guide, I have all his, uh, everything that he ever said I, uh, in the circle, I have it. 
we have always recorded it. And Elman said to me at that time, Miss Jaya, you know that you are a spiritual teacher. You know you are a teacher. That's what he said. You know you are a teacher. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea. I, I said, a teacher? <laughs> what does that mean, a teacher? And he said, well, it just means that people will come for the wisdom. Mm-hmm. They will come. And I said, how? I've never advertised. I don't know how, to, you know, I, I, I haven't gone to school yet. You know, for but he said, oh, yes, you have. Yes, you have gone to school. Um, it's just not um, the human collective way where you are, you know, this is how you do it. Mm-hmm. You have come and through your experiences and through um, meditating and going deep and having a guru, which is, of course, it just means your inner teacher and the guides. Mm-hmm. This is your destiny. And he said, you know, it's your destiny. You have come to serve. And in that moment, I knew it's the truth. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how it will happen or how it will open. But I knew it was the truth. I have, that's why I was born, and mm-hmm. that's what it was about. I think that's a lot of talking, yes. <laughs> well, if I could just ask, um, what, what year was it when you had your first um, client or the first person come to you for spiritual guidance? Do you remember what year oh, that yes, was? Oh, yes, of course I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, because by that time I had a teacher guide. Mm-hmm. His name is Patrice. It was in 1987, September the 20th. Oh. And that's the first time you had someone come to you. That was the first time that somebody from the, who I have gone, a spiritual brother, mm-hmm. have sent his family. And he came. And my teacher first, Donald, has came first to my house. And I thought he's coming for spaghetti, but he <laughs> said to me, I want to test that you can channel Patrice. And um, I went, oh, my God. And I closed my eyes and I don't remember what needed to be said, but Patrice said something to Donald and Donald said he got up and he said, OK, people will come now. Wow. And next day, next day. Michael Talbot Kelly have sent his brother, Jonathan, and he came. Mm-hmm. And uh, my guy said, you have only one job. We will do it. You will have to meditate an hour and not charge for an hour of meditation. Mm-hmm. And after that you have meditated an hour, uh, you can trust what will, what will come. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. I always meditated for the first two years. I always meditated an hour. I never charged for it. And uh, when the person came, and I had to know two lifetimes. Uh, the guide always gave two lifetimes mm-hmm. that affects the person who came. So all he had to say is, my name is Jonathan. And he would walk in the door, he would sit down, and I would uh, have two yeah. of his lifetimes that affects this life. And I have to say this, I don't believe it has ever been long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always just blew my mind that when somebody said that this person was, um, I don't know, a a mountain climber and climbed the mountain, and that's where he died, the person in this lifetime says, well, actually, um, that's my my passion, or that's what I, you know, and Mm -hmm. I would just, right, or... Somebody was a ballerina in Russia, I don't know, in 1903. Mm-hmm. And the person comes and the person says, 
and you can see the focus what a ballerina would have, right? Mm-hmm. A total focus, a total, uh, you know, and that would be the proof. Oh, I just went to to to, to Moscow and I just uh, saw the most beautiful ballet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it was. You always had the confirmation that after the meditation, that the information that was coming to. And of course, I was learning. Right? It wasn't like, you know, I'm not doing the same thing as I did 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you and, and you were you were channeling. So someone came who wanted to connect with someone who had passed away. Is that how that works? No, channeling. Uh, that's that that's clairvoyant. Oh, okay. Yeah. Could you tell, t- tell me? That, yeah. Tell me a little bit about what about what you did, just so I understand. Well, actually, it's counseling, and what I what I made a deal with my guides. Mm-hmm. My my deal was that I will speak on my own voice, mm-hmm. and I will do what they ask, and they will do the work, which is exactly what they said. Uh, Twenty nine years ago, June the fifteenth, they said, "Start a class, practical spirituality, and we will do it. You will just have to meditate." Mm-hmm. And this is the format. Uh, but they said that the focus is, is counseling. And counseling is, they called me transformational. Transformational counseling means that you come only when you're ready. So it's not about um, psychic, even though that's there, about your future. But it's about how to move you out of non-loving to loving, from fear to love, mm-hmm. from tragic to magic. And because I went through all those experiences... Uh, I learned how, mm-hmm. and then I had an experience with Eckhart, and that was another year of uh, experience that he taught me how to release the pain body. That's another grace mm-hmm. that happened in my life. So uh, counseling means that you sit in a chair, and the person comes, and they say this and this and this and this happening, and you actually can tune in and realize that the way their mind works, that they are in a past or they are making choices from the past. Mm -hmm. So I actually learned how to move from the past and from the future to the present so that the question becomes, what is loving to me? Mm -hmm. So I actually did become a teacher, as they said I would. Mm -hmm. And uh, actually, I started a class and the rest of my work is, uh, you know, I can do the I Ching I learned the itching in this lifetime in 10 minutes, uh, which is a very complicated, but I know I have done it in other lifetimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can do the itching. I can do the aura soma, which is uh, color therapy, or I can do, but basically people come for counseling because they move out of pain and they change their life. I don't do it. They do it. Mm-hmm. I only... I'm only here to listen. Basically, that's my job, is to listen and to be able to mirror that back, just like what Eckhart did for me. When Eckhart said to me, but Jaya, I am free, and I wasn't free. I was in deep pain, emotional pain. Mm -hmm. He said, but Jaya, it's already in your life because I am free, and I'm in your life. And that's what I do, basically, with people. When they come for counseling, uh, they change their life because they're ready. Or they wouldn't find me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And where did you meet Eckhart Tolle? Well, that's another amazing story. Uh, I had a woman from, I went to Yoga West to do yoga 22 years ago. And there was a woman there who was uh, a Satnam Nasayan healer. Satnam Nasayan is a healing uh, technique. 
an ancient healing technique, and I was admiring her. And my teacher, Donald, when I talked about her, my teacher was incredibly, uh, he could tune into anything. And I said, I want to be like Elizabeth, who was very quiet, and I had a healing experience from her, and I didn't know that she knew Eckhart. Um, but Donald said, believe me, you don't want to be anything like her. That's not true, Jaya. You want to be like you. Mm-hmm. And then uh, this woman, I met her at Yoga West, said to me that she needed a place to stay for two months. Uh, do I have a room? And so she came here, and one day, and I found her the most unhappy person that I have met because she was a perfectionist about everything. And her perfectionism just created lots of pain for her and everybody else. Mm-hmm. So Donald was correct. I do not want to, I'm not a perfectionist. I do my, whatever I do, I want to do it excellent, but I'm not a perfectionist. And so she came with a book and she said, my friend wrote a book and it just came out today. And I said, oh my God, another spiritual book. And I looked down at the book and I opened it and I read four sentences. What Eckhart says about that he has gone through the experience and the four sentences, I said, do you have the phone number of this man? And she said, yes, I do. And I had Eckhart's phone number and he picked up the phone. When I called, I called him right away. And I said to Eckhart, I need to come and see you. (laughs) And he said, because he wasn't famous yet, Mm -hmm. these are the words he said. Jaya, I can tell that you need to come and see me. Can you come next Thursday at five (laughs) o'clock? That's what my experience was with Eckhart. Wow. And I went to see him. He lived in Comac Street, and I went to see him, and he opened the door, and I never wanted to leave his tiny apartment. He was present. He was loving. He was wise, and he he never left the present moment while I was there. And when I was starting to talk about pain and emotional stuff, that I'm an emotional person, and all this stuff came up for me, he said, Can I show you that this is an illusion? And the emotional pain is, your emotional pain is an illusion? Mm -hmm. And I said, is it? And he said, can I touch your hands? And he touched my hand. And he said, close your eyes. And I closed my eyes. And his vibration is so high that in less than 30 seconds, All the pain that I felt, which I felt it physically in my stomach, and I felt it in my mental, in my mental, emotional body, all the pain was gone. Wow. Instantly. It was Mm -hmm. all gone. And so I said to him, where did the pain go? And he laughed and he said very gently, it never was, Jaya. This is just the mind. It never was. Hmm. And my experience was with Eckhart that for 12 hours afterwards, I couldn't leave the present moment. I did not leave the present moment for 12 hours. And then I took it back 
And then he saw me for a year. Every Thursday, I went to see him for about 45 minutes to an hour. Mm-hmm. And he charged me. I asked him how much, and he could have charged me thousands of dollars, whatever he could have charged me, whatever. He said, whatever you have is fine. Don't worry if it's $5, $10, whatever that you have, no problem. Wow. So I saw him. I My grace, that's why I, I afterwards I studied with him and I went to his living room and after when he got married. But I have never, you know, I, I'm forever grateful. I'm forever grateful. Yeah. What he gave me, it's for, it's, and he said, you will give this to other people. And I, I have. It's true. Mm-hmm. So it was my karma. And you met him before you started um or before you became a spiritual counselor for others no no i was already spiritual i was already counseling okay 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 yeah wow yeah no yeah okay um so what else so what else is important to share and we've gone over the hour a little bit but is there anything else that you wanted to to talk about before um before we uh i let you go um, no, not unless that you want to ask. Um, I've been very fortunate. I've been, I'm, I feel blessed. I feel, um, I have had wonderful teachers. Mm-hmm. I have beautiful children. I love all of them. They are aspect of me. I, my clients, uh, I have a class for 28 years, uh, um, uh, 20, 28, 29 years, mm-hmm. June the 15th, it was 29, mm-hmm. practical spirituality and people come. I thought it was for eight, eight weeks, but actually it went on this long. And so, um, you know, yeah. services is most, most important here in this life. And I've been blessed. I have wonderful friends and I have I traveled and I have seen places. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if there's anything else that, uh, unless you come up with something you would like yeah, to ask. Yeah. Um, did you say that you went back to Hungary to see your to see your mother? Many times. Okay. Before she died, of course. Okay. And um, was it still a communist country when you went back? No. No. Uh, Hungary totally changed. I was there um, two years ago as well, and my brother was dying, and um, Hungary totally changed. It's more like Paris. Uh, it's very beautiful. It's a very beautiful city, and people are, I mean, I'm not into politics. I don't know what politics is. I'm not interested, actually, um, but it's a totally different energy. And Eckhart told me when I when I spoke of Hungary, Eckhart, without knowing I was, um, he gave me the power of now in Hungarian to give it to my brother, who of course wasn't interested. But um, I, I said, Eckhart said that he's going to Hungary. This was like probably 10 years ago, that he was invited to Hungary. And I made this very sarcastic statement. I said, oh, I wonder how many people will show up. <laughs> and then he came back to my total surprise he said that actually uh, over 2,000 people show, uh, ultimately showed up. Oh, wow. And that's huge. That's like the whole country changed. Uh-huh. Because for, for, for them to be interested in the power of now or how to live lovingly, 
it's completely changed. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> That's really powerful. So, um, okay. Um, well, if, if people want to reach out to you, what's the, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, I have clients, um, that I do through Skype. Oh, okay. Yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, I, I have gone to Los Angeles. I have, uh, I have had students there and I have people who have finished the classroom and they moved away. So I do work to counseling or any questions actually any question is i'm open to answer whatever you know the question is it's if it's about their life so they can call they can skype they can um you know okay yeah and what i'll do is i'll i'll put your website on the episode description so that um when people are listening they can go ahead and click on your website and that'll take them to your email and telephone number and everything. I think the email has changed. Okay. Yeah. The email is J A I A good karma. So it's J A I A. It's one word, Jaya good karma, but it's not J A Y A. It's J A I A good karma at gmail.com. Cause lots of people have sent me messages and they say, Oh my God, you know, did you get it? And I have never got it because they sent to another email. And this is the email. This is the correct email at this time. Okay. Okay. I can add your email too then so that they can just reach out to you that way. So, okay. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Yes. Well, thank you. This has been, I've really enjoyed talking to you, Jaya. Um, you have quite a, quite an incredible story. So I'm really, I feel honored that you, that you shared it with me. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, I wish you well. And I thank you that you were, you know, I've never done this before and um, I totally trusted you because of your voice and the way that you have. And so I thank you very much. I appreciate it.